Hey, you guys, what is going on? Welcome to The Camera Adds 10 Pounds. I'm your host, Peter Sirs, comedian, podcaster, and all-around fitness enthusiast. You're welcome. Um, do me a favor, you guys. I got to ask you at the top before you forget. Um, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, just do me a favor. Leave me a review. Rate the podcast. Share it. That'll be awesome. You can subscribe, too, if you want. Um, this podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Performa.com. Performa has all of your fitness accessory needs, shaker cups, workout towels, the best workout towels too, by the way. They're made with some kind of microfiber that fucking, it's it's so soft, and but it picks up like everything. It's, they're great, honestly, I promise. They got pro containers, meal prep containers, meal prep bags, just wrist straps wrist straps you know what i'm talking about they've got you know superheroes and they've got freaking major league baseball team stuff they've got game of thrones mythology like so many things anyway i love them i do i loved them before we worked together and now i work with them so you're welcome um yeah they have so many awesome things i love them do me a favor, go to the website, performa.com, enter promo code 10 pounds, that's the n- <laughs> the word 10, the word pounds, and you'll save 15% off your order. Tell them I sent you. They also customize stuff, so if you wanted to, like, if you have, like, a business or a company, or just something that you want to put a logo on, you could send it, they'll do it. I think there's a minimum order, and I don't know what it is, but you could personalize them. I have my own shaker cups with my logo on them now. So anyway, performing.com, promo code 10 pounds. Um, this podcast is also brought to you by my good friends at Bucked Up Supplements. Bucked Up, you guys, I'm telling you, I fucking use so many of their products and I look amazing and I'm 42 years old. So if I look amazing and I take all the stuff then maybe you could take all this stuff and you could look amazing too. Not that you don't look amazing already, but you could look better. I always, you know, I always think there's room for improvement. I'm just telling you guys, this shit really works. I love it. They're, they're pre-workout, they're vitamins, they're testosterone boosters because I'm over 40 and I need that shit. I'm not going to take steroids, but I'll take some natural testosterone enhancements, amino acids, protein, I mean, they just have everything that you need supplement-wise. So go to buckedup.com, enter the promo code 10 pounds. That's the number 10 and the word pounds. I know it's a little bit different, and you'll save 20% off your order. So um, what's going on, you guys? We're back. We're here. I'm sorry. I've been gone for, God, I think I think this is three weeks since the last time. It wasn't my fault, you guys. I had every intention yeah, I had every intention of dropping an episode, and then I had one person cancel on me, and then I went out of town, and then I had another person, and it just all of a sudden, I'm like, holy shit, dude, and then I had, oh, I had technical difficulties, too, um, my Wi-Fi box, I don't know, it's a fucking thing, I don't know, on my laptop, went out, so I couldn't connect to the Wi-Fi, anywhere not just at my house like i couldn't connect to wi-fi it, like i had to take it to the apple store which is a whole thing and then I had to wait for them to fix it and get it back and by the way i'll say this you guys the fucking apple store i can't speak for all apple stores but literally i've never gone to an apple store and not gotten whatever i needed to take care of gotten it to, i've never not gotten it taken care of like 
they fucking get it, okay? And I'll just tell you this. This is not fitness-related or whatever, but, like, I went in because this is why I couldn't do my podcast for, you know, one of the reasons, at least. Um, I went into the store. I don't know what's fucking wrong. All I know is that the Wi-Fi is not hooking up. It's not, I go to, like, find the Wi-Fi. It's not even giving me any options of, like, any Wi-Fis in the area. So I'm like, okay, it's got to be something with the Wi-Fi. So I go online, you know, I Google how to, you know, connect to Wi-Fi and it's giving me all these things and I can't fucking figure it out. And I'm feeling like an idiot because we're so like, we're so at mercy to like technology. Like if the Wi-Fi goes out or like electricity goes out or like, what the fuck do we do? Like if the food supply goes out or whatever, remember you guys remember the beginning of the pandemic when there was no fucking meat at the store? I do, because I was fucking crying, because I don't know what the fuck to do, like, if shit goes sideways, man, we're fucked, but, so anyway, I couldn't connect to the Wi-Fi, and I was just, it was really frustrating me, because I was doing what the internet told me to do, and it still wasn't working, and I was just bummed, because I love doing this, like, I love, I love when people give me feedback on it, I love when people actually let me know that they listen, like, it really means a lot, because, I could do this podcast and nobody could fucking listen and that would be interesting. <laughs> it would be really interesting. It wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that, but like it would be interesting. So anyway, um, anyway, I went to the Apple store and you know, they, they ran a bunch of diagnostics and part of what they were doing was what I was doing. You know, what I had found online that you're supposed to do. And that shit still wasn't working. So I'm like, okay, well, at least it's not just me. At least I'm not a fucking idiot. Okay, like, I did what it told me to do. He's like, oh, no, no, it's something else. Like, da-da-da-da. And so at first, you know, he was like, okay, to send it into the you know, the factory and blah, blah, blah. It's be like $500. And I'm like, at first I was like, I'm sorry. You just said it was going to be five. I thought, like... I don't think I've ever gone into an Apple store and other than like when I needed an actual new phone, I don't think I've ever paid for anything that happened when I went in. I've always have something on warranty or whatever. You know what I mean? So like I just thought like everything was free <laughs> like when you went to the Apple store. I guess it's free if you're under warranty still, which I usually am. But in this case, I wasn't. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to pay $500 because at that point another $500 or so and you have a whole new computer. Do you know what I mean? So I had to think about this. And then he's like, well, let me see if it's this. And there's actually, there might be if it's this part. And anyway, so it went from being $500 to them having a part that maybe could fix it. And he's like, if if it's this part, we'll fix it. And then if we fix it, then it's only going to be $150. But if we get this part and it won't fix it, then it's going to be the $500 after all. And so I'm like, hey, man, let's give it a shot. And sure enough, fucking that's all it needed was a Wi-Fi box. I think that's what it's called. And now we're back up and running. So there it is. Uh, so I, I just want to give props. I think his name was Cameron at the Apple Store in Oklahoma City. Went from being a $500 job to a $150 job, which is a lot better. So anyway, <coughs> um, I do have a guest, but before I bring him on, actually, I don't know if I have a guest. I'm supposed to have a guest. We'll see if he comes on. If he doesn't come on, you guys are just hearing me keep fucking talking this whole time. Uh, 
<laughs> I've done that before. So anyway, <coughs> went to New Orleans, guys. Performed in New Orleans, and I mean, I just wouldn't be doing my job as a comedian who travels if I didn't tell you about how awesome of a time I had in New Orleans, you guys. I I just I want to I don't want to move there because it's fucking dirty as shit. But I do want to go there for like a month and just stay in like. You know, one of those old haunted looking places and just fucking write and finish these horror scripts that I've been working on. I have two horror scripts that I've been writing for like two years. And the problem is, is that I just can't sit down long enough and just force myself to write for a number of reasons. Number one, I already spend about 30 minutes writing every day for comedy. And then so to sit down again and write again takes just complete concentration, no distractions, no nothing, and also just needs extra time that I'm not spending, you know, emailing and everything else and working and everything else that I have to do. So anyway, I would like to fucking save up some money and go to New Orleans for like a month, finish my scripts and just just immerse myself in that culture like this is this is gonna sound weird you guys okay but i'm just being honest this is this is my podcast okay i talk to you guys this is how you guys learn about what's going on in my head and meet some of my friends and whatever um i felt like i'd been there before and i don't know why there was a strange familiarity when i got there um if you've never been to new orleans it's just a beautiful I mean beautiful I say the word beautiful but like not because it's like so pretty and I mean what's pretty about it is that it's old it's just so old it's I mean it it goes back to like the 1600s I want to say like it was in, inhabited by by Spain in like the 1700s and then France bought it from them and then the US bought it from France and it's just like there's just so much history and these buildings are so old and the streets you know, some of them are made of brick and the sidewalks are uneven and falling apart and there's potholes. And then for some reason, it just starts raining randomly in the middle of the summer and it rains really hard for like a half hour or an hour. And then because I guess the city is below sea level, which I learned, when it rains hard like that, the waters rise and then the streets get flooded and you're like, wait, what the fuck, dude? Twice we got caught in in floods like not not like crazy but like I'm talking the water is like two or three feet high in some places where we I was in an Uber once and the Uber had to like take a bunch of different streets because the streets that they were going to go down were flooded and then Ashton and I my girlfriend we were on a bus and the same thing happened the bus had to pull over and you could just see the waters rising and I'm seeing cars like their hoods are covered and I'm like holy shit and that was only for like like I said 30 minutes to an hour's worth of rain and it's just like that part I don't like but like just the history and all these old houses and buildings that look like something that was out of a scary movie and then the cemeteries that are just really creepy looking you know they got these big old tombstones that come out of the ground 
you know, like, you know, in California, especially like L.A., you can't bury someone above ground. Like, everything's below ground. It's the headstones that are flush with the grass. You know, you can't get the big, you know, tombstones like we see, like, in the movies and stuff. But in New Orleans, they have those. They have these big tombs that sit above, and it's just, it's cool, but it's also creepy looking. And so there's just so much of that. And there's obviously so many ghost stories, and there's all these murders that happened, and just... You know, obviously, I love vampires, and there's all these movies, the the vampire chronicles, and all these things that go along with New Orleans, and I just, I don't know, but also, so here's the thing, so I said, like, I, I was there, and I felt like I had been there before, like, maybe in a previous life, you know, not to get all weird, but like, I don't know, there's just, I got a weird feeling, and, and the feeling was like, it literally told me you need to stay here for like you need to come down here and spend a few weeks here and I'm going to do that. I don't know when, but probably, I don't know, probably within the next few months. You know, I think I think we're going to make it I think we're going to make I think we're going to do it, man. Maybe February, March, I don't know, man, but I th- I really think that I could finish my script, just concentrate. I had a great time at the club fucking three great shows you know i i headlined two of them and fucking just i'm in a really cool place artistically you guys i'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything but i just with all the writing that i've done and just every show that i do i just feel like i'm making strides every single time and i'm pushing myself to try new things and you know, it's something that I, I wouldn't have done, you know, when I first started comedy because you don't know anything. But now I have the confidence to know that even if a joke doesn't work, I could bounce right back and just keep going. And it's like, yeah, like, you know, swing and miss. Big deal. Oh, one. I still got fucking two more strikes on me, you know. And, you know, to be able to get on stage and tell jokes that I've never told before, but like, you know, I write them. I, I rehearse them in my head and how they're going to go and timing wise. And maybe I might use it in a conversation here and there to kind of test the reaction that I get from people. I do that, you guys. I'm sorry. But if you've ever had a conversation with me, like an actual conversation, just know that there's probably a bit that I tried to work out while I was talking to you. It's true. Future people that I meet, I'm probably going to maybe do that to you too. So anyway... By the time I get it to stage, you know, it's probably, you know, it's probably ready for you. That's all I'm saying. But like I told, there's a few jokes that I told that were brand new and it's just like, man, like every time I get on stage, I feel like I've accomplished something and it's just a really fun place to be in, you know? And like I said, I loved the city of New Orleans. It was so much fun and I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go stay there for a few weeks. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. Um, but also I got to meet some of my family when I was out there which was really fucking cool. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but so my mom was Mexican. My mom's dead. Spoiler alert. And my dad was not Mexican. He's also dead. Spoiler alert. Um, And my dad's like, my dad used to say he was French Italian, which I don't know if he really thought that or if he was just delusional or what but there's no fucking italian in our family (laughs) my dad's fucking creole okay 
if you know Creole, you know, if, and now that I've been to New Orleans and I've, I mean, I've always known kind of, but like, you know, New Orleans, especially like, I mean, not just New Orleans, but like Louisiana itself and just was inhabited by the Spanish. Okay. Initially. And then the French came. Okay. So you have Spanish people from Spain. Then you have French people from France, but also because that's Louisiana, there's some there's some indigenous people living in Louisiana as well. So then you have that mixture. So now we have native, you know, Native Americans, indigenous, whatever you want to call them. Okay, not supposed to call them Indians. Okay, Native Americans or indigenous people. Okay, and so you have the indigenous, and you have the Spanish. Then you have the French, okay? And then, all of a sudden, you also have Haitian people that came over here because there's there's crops, there's tobacco and cotton and all these other things. So, people have slaves. There are slave owners, yes. So, now you have, you know, people from Africa, people from Haiti, Spanish, French, Native Americans, and then eventually, the fucking white people come over and buy it. And so, now you have this... this crazy mixture of Spanish, French, Native American, white, Haitian, African, and they all start fucking each other. You know, guys start fucking their slaves and vice versa. And eventually, a whole new kind of tribe of people come to be Creole, a mixture of all that stuff. And that's what my dad is, you know? And (laughs) it just is what it is, man. Like, we got a lot of stuff in us, but I just say Creole and you know, if you know what it is, you know what it is. And so anyway, I met a few of my cousins in Louisiana for the first time. Some of them are black, um, which is not a surprise to me. It may be a surprise to some people in my family, but was not a surprise to me. I have black relatives that are my blood. I have a little bit of black in me. That's just the way it is, man. You know, And, uh, it was just really cool to meet like family members. Like it's weird. I've never met, I've never really met blood relatives. I mean, I have my cousin Bruce that I met in Albuquerque, um, a couple years ago when I was performing there, but like, you know, that's, what's great. You know, I talked about it, I posted about it, but that's, what's great about social media, man. Like you're, uh, you can connect with people that maybe you wouldn't have connected with, you know, I wouldn't have connected with my random cousins, you know, before the internet, how would I get their numbers or whatever? You know what I mean? So for us to connect through the, you know, through social media and then to have five of my cousins that I got to meet this week was really cool. And some of them were older than me, you know, like a lot, like my cousin Joe is like 69, I think. And his wife, Sonny, and my other cousin, Mary, and her wife, Randy, or her husband, Randy. And then I have another cousin, Tim, um, that lives in New Orleans, actually. The, other, my, the rest of my family that came, they're from Nagadish, which is like three and a half hours north of Louisiana. That's where my grandparents are from. And it was just so cool to hear stories about my family and kind of where I came from. And maybe that's why I felt this connection to New Orleans. I don't know. But um, maybe, I don't know, man. So anyway, I thought that was cool. Like I said, I loved it. I had a blast. Shows went great. 
they said the club owner looked me in the face and was like whenever you want to come back let me know and i'm like fuck yeah dude because if you guys know i've talked about it on here but i've had club own and you know they might be full of shit but they've already messaged me and told me and reaffirmed so that's good but you know, I've had club owners that looked me in the face at the end of the weekend and were like, yeah, email me, you know, at this time for with your avails so you can come back. And then I do that and then I never fucking hear from him again. And that shit fucking pisses me off, dude, because I'm a fucking man. OK, I'm a man. I could take rejection, dude. I've been rejected my whole life. <laughs> this whole business is full of rejection. This life adversity just everything like i'm okay with that just tell me hey i don't think you're funny enough to work my club and i'll say you know what okay let me get funnier and follow up with you in a couple years but when you look at me and tell me that you're gonna bring me back and then you don't answer my fucking email you're a piece of shit and i'll tell you what man the day's gonna come when i don't fucking need those people anymore and then they're gonna come crawling and i'm gonna be like oh hey fuck you remember what you what when you didn't want to answer my emails guess what my rates normally this but for you i'll charge double and if i sell out then i get another fucking bump double or fucking i don't know something dude if you want me to come to your club this is what i'm gonna do i'm serious because now i'm booking shows at venues that aren't even comedy clubs because i'm just tired of sitting around waiting for you know, you know, I was going to try to do a bunch of backyard shows. I had a bunch of people were like, yeah, you can use my backyard. And then at the last, not at the last minute, but like, then everyone's like, eh, I don't know if I want people using my bathroom or I don't know if I want people doing this. And it's like, all right. So I actually haven't done one fucking backyard show, even though I wanted to do a bunch of them. It's fine. But point being is I'm reaching out to venues that aren't even comedy clubs, music venues, fucking little tiny theaters. I'll do my fucking comedy there, dude. I don't care because I know what I have to say. I know that I'm good at what I do. Am I the best? No. But who is? Dave Chappelle? Probably. Chris Rock? Probably. Bill Burr? Probably. I'm not those guys, but I'm me. And I can hold my own pretty well, I'm going to say. So, you know, I'm tired of waiting for the comedy clubs to fucking get back to me. I'm just going to do my own thing. And if the comedy clubs want to get down, then fucking cool. But I'm going to do me. I'm going to build my name. I'm shooting my fucking special here in Oklahoma City in a couple weeks. No one asked me to. It's just something I'm going to do myself because I'm tired. I don't want to sit around and fucking wait for something that may never happen. But I can go out and make it happen and then put it on Amazon or Netflix or something. Maybe Netflix. Who knows? You never know, man. Everything is impossible until someone does it. That's what fucking Michael Jordan used to say. And I think he knows his shit. So... Anyway, um, I have a guest, I'm a man of my word, um, my guest, oh man, this is a podcast that has been, I don't know, fucking, since I started this podcast, that many years in the making, so two and a half years in the making, um, I've known this guy, I mean, I want to say almost my whole life, like nine years old, I met this guy, ten, I was ten when I met this guy. And, uh, man, he was, uh, one of the best, one of the best athletes I've ever known personally, one of the best, uh, baseball players I've ever played with, if not 
the best baseball player I've ever played with as far as like every attribute you could have in an app. So an arm, speed, hit for average, hit for power, fucking spectacular defense, could play anywhere. Like, you know, he made his, I want to say like his bread and butter was probably playing shortstop. That's what everyone knows him for. But a lot of people don't realize he was also a really good catcher. And he got drafted, I want to say, in the seventh round. He might correct me when I bring him on. Um, Seventh round of the Kansas City Royals in the 1995 Major League Draft. Drafted in the seventh round. Um, He has now become a sports agent. He's He's an agent with Rock Nation Sports a branch of CAA, um, and I'm going to give him a hard time when we bring him on, but um, I've, like I said, I've known this guy since I was 10, I love this guy, um, you know, kind of grew up together, you know, and it's cool to see him fucking doing, you know, he's got one of the coolest jobs that I know, you know, representing baseball players, so I've been wanting to have him on, and you know, he's a busy guy, and we can never get our scab, I mean, you know, I see him, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I would love for you guys to meet one of my good friends, long time, I love the guy. Mike Rodriguez. All right, ready? All right, we are live. You guys, um, from the miracles of the internet, I wanted to do this in person, but they fucking decided to make people wear masks again in LA. So I'm laying back for a couple more weeks. Um, anyway, I gave him the intro, but uh, you guys are going to get to know him. I've known this guy, like I said, since I was 10 years old. Um, it's crazy, right? Uh, he is the vice president of baseball at Rock Nation Sports, which is just fucking crazy. So anyway, you guys are going to get to know him. I already know him, but put your hands together for my buddy, longtime friend, Mike Rodriguez. Hey, buddy. What's going on, man? Um, I was telling him on the intro, like I've been wanting to have you on for a long time. So I know you've listened to all uh, 103 episodes of this podcast. So <laughs> you're all caught up. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, listened to some. I I do listen to a lot of your stuff because the shit is funny, dude. Thanks. Like it really is funny. It's very entertaining. I do share it with my family, and like it is, it is really cool what you do. Thanks, man. So, like, I started this podcast initially because I wanted to have other comedians on the show that were also into like health and fitness, right? Um, cause not everyone is a drug addict and eats like, sh- like some of us actually take care of ourselves, but as the podcast kind of evolved, then I started was like, well, let me have other people from like different aspects of the fitness industry and whatever. And obviously, you know, you've known me cause we played baseball together for a long time. Um, but so this is, I feel like this is still part of the entertainment industry because you guys, I know rock nation is a branch of CAA, correct? No, um, it was, a oh, it was. Of, yeah, it was at one point in time, but it, it no longer is it, uh, they had a, like, a, a co-agreement to represent players. Okay. When Jay first started this thing in 2015. It was only two years. So since 2017, uh, they, they no longer, uh, work with one another. Okay. Okay. So they branched off now there. It's its own, it's its own thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. So, but it's still part of the entertainment industry. I mean, like, obviously it's a professional sport. These guys are athletes, but like for us as the fan, it's entertainment. But I just, I've always been fascinated with this whole thing because I don't think a lot of people get insights at like the behind the scenes 
stuff that goes along with representing ball players and whatnot and just all the stuff that goes into that and then especially with this week um being like the trade deadline and stuff like i'm sure you got all kinds of crazy shit going on so first of all let's start off tell everyone where you grew up because not everyone knows you like i do yeah so i grew up uh in ontario california i would say that i grew up there for most of my youth my childhood and I still kind of live in, in the area. I probably live uh, 15 minutes from where we went to high school at at Chafee High School. Right. Um, you, moved, up, you moved north of the 10 freeway, which is an improvement from where we grew up. <laughs> exactly. When, when, when we, when growing up, if you lived north of the 10 or above Foothill or Baseline, you were, you were pretty, you were doing pretty good. Your family. That's right. That's right. So uh, it's, it's uh it's all come full circle and it's just funny how I still drive down to 10, man. And I pass Chafee and I'm like, there's no better high school than this place. Oh like, man. This, this is it, man. This is my hometown. I still drive down the, the street that I grew up on. I still drive in that area just to kind of reminisce and remember where I came from. Yeah. You know? So uh, it's really cool to, to kind of see how things have evolved as, as I've gotten older and, uh shoot my kids they know nothing about about <laughs> what life was back then for us growing up of no? course it, i mean it's I funny can't... we we were outside right now i was outside with my kids uh earlier and they were gonna ride some bikes and i told them hey do you guys know that when we grew up we used to ride three or four people on one bike <laughs> and they're like what the hell are you talking about like how is that possible? I'm like, dude, we rode three or four people on one bike. That's right. You get someone in the handlebars. And then if you had one of the bikes with the little pegs on the back, someone yep. would stand on those. Yeah, yep. man. Those are the then days. you would squeeze somebody in between the little bar, in between the handlebars and the seat, you know, we're, and we're, ride around them. We were talking about, I, I went to, uh, sorry guys, this is us reminiscing, but also relevant to what Mike is saying. Uh, I hung out with Eric Dunn for 4th of July a couple weeks ago. And uh, we were talking about how we used to go to the pool at John Galvin. Remember that shit? Like a public pool? Like you, you pay like- that nowadays, dude. <laughs> right, dude. <laughs> like a dollar to fucking yeah. swim in some, like, I mean, I guess it was clean, but like looking back, I'm like, that's fucking gross, dude. But that was just what we did because we didn't have pools back then. Hey, I didn't even, I didn't remember until now that there was a pool there, dude. I, that's, what, that's what Eric Dunn's brother did not because he's too young. He's like, yeah, I didn't remember like, there was a pool till now. Yeah, he's like six or seven. It was a pool right there by the, like where the minor field was. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, like, and yeah, it was I, like I a thing. That now. Yeah, they filled it up for a while. Um, but you're talking about Chafee. So we went to high school together. Mike was a couple years older than me. Um, you didn't hear the intro because I did it before we uh, recorded, but I said, and I thought about it. I thought long and hard, but out of all the people that I played ball with, because maybe some of your players may not know this, but like Mike, I, I said that you were probably the best all around ball player that I ever played with. Like as far as like, like Mike could do, you could do everything. You, you were fast. You had a fucking cannon. You could hit bombs. You could hit for power and you had solid, like you were a five tool player. I, I know, man. I, I, think back and reminisce about those times and how fun it was, you know, playing baseball and how much I loved it and kind of my journey in baseball still. And, and 
like reliving my youth through my son, like seeing my son play baseball. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really cool to, to kind of like do it again, but with a little guidance, you know, right. meaning that I get to guide my son and kind of see what the final, you know, what a final like product is. You know, it's really neat, but man, you know, I, I, uh, I had some good coaches, Wayne Redfern, like, I mean, that guy was the best. Yeah. And, and I had a bunch of friends that dude, we just, you know what it was like, we just grew up just loving baseball. Yeah. You know, like we like, just played like, I mean, I think about like, I, I, cause I don't, I don't have kids, so I don't know, but they're just from what I know. And like, I, you know, I have nephews and whatnot, like kids don't necessarily play like we used to, like we would go to like, if baseball was over, we would still fucking jump the fence and play exactly. ball or like, that's just what we did. And now kids, I feel like don't really do that for whatever. I don't know. <laughs> no, they, they, they don't do that. I, I literally, I tell my son, like I tell him this all the time and he's a division one, you know, baseball player. And yeah. I tell him like, Hey, you have to watch baseball 30 minutes a day, watch it on TV. Like if you're trying to be, where these guys are at, you should study what they're doing. Like you can't just go kids nowadays. They don't watch baseball. They just go online and Google stuff. Right. You know, like let okay. Home run swings or swings and stuff. They, they don't watch actual like in game stuff, you know, and they're the aptitude is, is not where it used to be. Like guys couldn't make adjustments on the fly when I know that I was able to do that, you know, from yeah. pitch to pitch and then at bat and kids nowadays you just don't see that much you, it's it's very rare to see a kid that can make the adjustments yeah um so i want i want to i wanted to ask you so okay obviously like i said one of the best the best ball player i've ever played with um but then over the years you know you went from you know started you started i mean you literally you're like you're like drake started on the bottom now you're here right like you fucking you started as just an assistant coach, right? Did you start yeah. at the high school? You started at Chafee? Was that like your first yeah. kind of gig? So you went back to the high school. That was, was that was when Dom was the head coach? Yeah, Dom was a head coach there. Yeah, and I went in, uh, okay. and I went and coached with Dom. Jeez, I don't even remember, man. Uh, that had to be, that had to be Mike, if I, if, if I'm not mistaken, 02 or 03. Yeah, I was going to say, if I had to guess, it would have been early 2000s. Yeah. It would have been if I had to guess, but uh, yeah, that that was it, man. I mean, at at that point in time, like, you know, I was just uh, doing like work and stuff, and you know, just trying to keep myself busy with jobs. And I really had kind of given up on my playing career. I mean, I was maybe like 21 years old, maybe. Yeah. And uh, you know, Dom got the job over at Chafee, and. Uh, I was like, you know what? I want to get back in baseball. I, I kind of was like really upset with baseball uh, because I felt like I kind of felt like I was cheated a little bit just because I didn't really have guidance. Yeah. You know, as a young 21 year old, like you think that everything should be given to you. I was drafted out of high school and, you know, I was committed to Long Beach State and, you know, things just didn't work out. So I was kind of pissed at baseball. So I was like, you know, I'll just go get a job, man. I'll go work some random places and take care of my family, you know. And uh, yeah, Chafee, Chafee going back home and helping out was <coughs> easy thing to do, obviously, you know, because because Dom was was our coach. Yeah. 
And so you coach, you go from coaching and you obviously you assistant coach here and there. And that's, I mean, that's kind of like, well, I always tell people like it kind of, there's a lot of similar journeys. Like obviously like with, like with me doing stand up. like I started fucking, I can't tell you how many shows that I did for free and at a fucking bar and, or where I drove down to San Diego to make like fucking 10 bucks, like shit, like, you know what I mean? Um, or I go to a club out in some state where I'm literally losing money on the job, but I know that I'm investing in myself and four or five or six years later, that's going to be a return on my investment. You know, it's an investment in myself. And so you start off, you start at the bottom, right? And then now here we are, you know, 2021 and you're fucking vice president of fucking one of the best uh, agents, you know, for baseball. And so it's like, give me the little steps. I mean, obviously there's a, there's a long journey, but like you go from coaching and then how did you get even into being an agent? Like, I remember you were running like a scout team, right? Yeah. And then somehow you met somebody doing that. So I had, um, so I, I was coaching and uh, I was coaching over at Chafee High in, in the early 2000s. And uh, um. I, I went from Chafee and uh, gosh, where did I go then? I think I went to Oklahoma High School. And then I went and I became a head coach at, um, God, why am I forgetting? At that, Carter High School in Fontana. Carter High yeah, School. Yeah, Carter High School. I became a head coach. And then I went to a junior college. I went and coached at Chafee Junior College. And all in the mean, in the meantime, in between this, I had started my own travel organization, the Altaloma Mets. Got it. And, uh, you know, I, I started running like, like elite teams, like a baseball academy. Right. You know, I, I started a baseball academy probably like in, in the mid or I mean, in a, like maybe around 2005-ish, I started a baseball academy. And I had, I was really fortunate and I also was a hitting instructor as well. So I was really fortunate to come across some really good players at this time early in my career, but um, I, you know, I would go out and I would network and meet people and meet scouts and meet college coaches. And one of my good friends played for the Boston Red Sox and they had, they had uh, I, I think they had just, he had just come off winning a road series with them. And anyways, his, his agent was leaving the agency that he worked at. So his agent had asked him, hey, do you know anybody in Southern California that, that, that uh, knows like baseball really well and has good relationships with scouts and stuff like that to kind of help recruit for the draft? Yeah. Uh, so he threw my name out there <clears throat> and I went and worked at, uh, I went and met with the main guy who uh, owned this agency at MVP Sports Group. And, uh, you know, I went and interviewed with them and it was so nerve wracking. Like I, I remember, you know, the, you know, sweaty palms and, you know, heart palpitations. Like I walk in and I'm like, dude, this is the big leagues, dude. Yeah. Like the office is sick. How, you know? First on, tell me how hot were the assistants? <laughs> uh, they were good. They were, they were cool, man. Okay. Okay. Most of the guys, most of the guys there were, most of the, the workers there were guys. Oh. more guys so okay okay um but uh so i interviewed with this guy and he's like hey i'll you know i'll, I'll get back with you didn't hear back from him for a couple of weeks and 
you know, I, I kept reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. And finally, like, you know, I was such a pain in the guy's ass. He's finally like, all right, man, like, I'll, I'll give you a job, but I'm going to pay you peanuts, like literally peanuts. And I'm like, hey, you know, just like you said, your journey, you know, driving places and losing money. Like I had a kid, man. I had yeah. Lexi, my daughter at 19 years old. And here I am probably around 27 or so you know, 28 and, uh, and I'm taking a job, you know, making like not even minimum wage. Like I'm literally losing money. Right. And, uh, but I knew like I was paying my rent. I knew that I was investing in myself because I've always believed in what I can do. And having a kid young kind of made me grow up really quick. Yeah. You know, so, so I knew that I had to, you know, make some changes, look at myself, you know, in the mirror and be like, all right, you got to do best for your family and your wife. But uh, so I end up getting this job and he tells me, he's like, Hey, I want you. So you tell me that, you know, all these people and stuff, I want you to, to go recruit two players. And I'm like, all right, who are they? And he tells me the two players. And I'm like, you know, inside, I'm like, dude, I know these kids. I work with them. Like, I'm not going to tell him that, but like, oh, you already, I, you already knew them. Yeah. B- before he, when he asked, I already knew the two. Oh, kids. that's great. You know, so I, uh, I'm like, bro, this is easy. So long story short, we end up, uh, I look like a hero because, you know, like two months later, both of the kids commit to MVP sports group. And it kind of like took off from there. You know, it, 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 uh, it, you know, I went from really doing just like amateur stuff, like college, and high school draft stuff. And then I would dabble a little bit in the lower levels of the minor leagues. And, um, you know, it, as, it, as it progressed in the years past, you know, it just became more and more. And I really challenged myself, you know, to learn the agency business. Yeah. You know, uh, so many people, like, they look at it and they're like, dude, this is the coolest job ever. And, you know, like, you have a sweet job, you get to go to baseball games and, you know, you fly around the country and stuff. Well, it is really cool because I love baseball to death. Right. But it's also a job just like everybody else's job. You know, there's really good times and there's really bad times. There's a lot of highs. There's a lot of lows, you know, and then during the time at MVP, you know, I was still a young dad. I had two kids and, you know, I was gone a lot and, um, you know, uh, was chasing the next, you know, first rounder, trying to sign the next first rounder or get them to commit to us. And, uh, you know, it, it really burned me out, man. Like I was, I was exhausted of flying all over the place and traveling everywhere. So, uh, it was kind of a cool transition as I, as my players in the draft got more into the minor league system and they became like, you know, uh, minor league all-stars or they became, uh, they played in the, in the futures games and stuff like that. As they grew, I felt that I needed to grow myself with the business. So I, you know, would would read the CBA and the collecting bargaining agreement, you know, and and learn all the rules and regulations and stuff like that. And, you know, here we are today, 2021, and it's like just this grand old big different role than it was, you know, when I first got into this thing. I if I'm Correct. This past draft in June in Colorado, or the past draft in general, I'm sorry, in July, 
was my 12th major league baseball draft that I've been involved in. Wow. That's crazy. You know? And, it, and dude, I, I, I could remember the first one yeah. like that I went to, I went to New Jersey to MLB network and, and I viv- I remember the suit that I wore. I still have the suit that I wore. And I'm like, dude, this was my 12th draft that just went by. Nuts, that's, man. That's crazy, man. Time fucking flies, dude. So like, okay. So do you, at, now at this point, cause you've obviously, you've been promoted a little bit. So you're a little bit higher up, but like, you're still out there. Like, does, do people like call you? Cause it's different now with social media. Like, well, I'm kick off. I'm I'm suspended from Twitter now, so I can't check Twitter. But like, I know like now, like guys will fucking you know post videos of themselves, you know, hitting like like their highlight reels. Like I see like high school kids posting yeah. highlight reels. Like it's a whole different thing now. So like, how do you find out about a player? Do do you go out and just watch games, or are people calling you? Do you have like people that are saying like, yeah, you got to come watch this guy? Like, yeah, um. Um, I'm fortunate enough now to where I built like a good book of business and I have a great network um, of people in the business that work either in the front office of teams or their scouts or their coaches, you know, at the minor league levels to where um, a lot of it is referral based. Okay. You know, like they'll call me and be like, hey, Mike, you know, this guy's pretty good. Uh, you need to come check in on this kid, give him a call and see what's going on with him. I still do go out because at heart, like, I never want to lose what got me to where I'm at. And I feel that at heart, like pounding pavement is what got me to where I'm at now. You know, so going out and seeing players and, and introducing myself to a kid at a game, like, that still keeps me like in the mindset of like, yo, this is, this is where my grind has always been at. Right. Um, so I do go out every now and then, um, obviously with having guys now, you know, more big league guys that play in the big leagues, it's a little different, you know, being the, the, I can't go out and recruit at the level that I used to before. Um, you know, when I didn't have any guys in the big leagues, uh, so yes, I do, go out and I still will introduce myself to somebody if somebody refers them to me or if I see something on social media or I mean kids you know players on social media always hit me up like they'll send me videos or you know they'll DM me videos of them or something like that all the time right you know so it, it's kind of a it's it's a good a good mixture of of a couple different uh, avenues you know either me myself seeing somebody, somebody DM me on, on social media or somebody either, you know, in the front office or somebody that works for the team referring them to me. Okay. You know, um, a couple questions, follow-up questions to that. What's the age where you're like, okay, I need to start watching this person. Like, cause obviously I feel like just my, from what I know, I feel like when kids get to be like 13, 14, that's when you can kind of start to see like, okay. Cause like when everyone's 10, 11, it's like, I mean, some of these kids are going to grow tall. Some of these kids are going to get fat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so what's the age where like, as you, as a scout or as an agent, you're like, okay, we need to start keeping tabs on this kid. I I would say really. um, And it's different, man. It's way different than it was even like five years ago. 
mm-hmm. you know, or 10 years ago because of social media and because of the travel ball scene and the travel ball industry. Like there's so much hype behind young kids nowadays. Um, and it's a catch 22 uh, because some of these kids are so good at such a young age. And I know this being an old baseball head, right. like those kids that are typically good are at 14, 13, 14, 15 are not the best players at 17, 18, 19, right. you know? So things physically, like when you get to the big field, like, you know, 60 feet, six inches, 90 feet, 330 down the line, you know, 380 in the gaps and 410 in center. Like, hey, hold on, Mike. Tell them how fucking far our high school was. <laughs> dude, dead center was, was it four, 470, dude. 470 to dead center, man. 470, dude. To dead, dead center. That's stupid. <laughs> that's <laughs> no, it's, that's crazy, dude. Like, you would have to hit two balls, like, hit a bomb and then go pick yeah. it up, hit another bomb to get it out of dead center, man. But, but the, 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 the the like silver lining was that was like if I was playing center, I knew that I could just fucking run and exactly. never have to never have to worry about running into the fence. No warning track, just fucking keep going. Uh, exactly, man. But okay, so you're saying it's different, but generally maybe like a little older then. Yeah, I I personally um look, man. I I mean I don't know. I tell people this a lot. I don't know. I've, I've seen so many baseball players. Like I could probably tell you when you're 14 years old yeah. that you're going to be a big leaguer or not. Like, I don't really look at age. I look at tools. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if it's a twitchy body, if the guy runs athletically down the line, you know, if he has good bat to ball skills or, you know, if I like shortstops because I was a shortstop, so I like to sign a lot of shortstops. Yeah. You know, it only takes a couple ground balls to be like, all right, this guy, this guy is going to be a first rounder. This guy's probably going to play in the big leagues. Now, if he makes a career living in the big leagues, who knows? Right. Of course. Right. But this guy has the skills to be able to play in the big leagues. Um, being that kids develop and evolve uh you know so differently from 14 to 17 years old i typically like to look at kids a lot a lot uh older okay in high school you know like i i like to see how the tools play you know as a junior or senior in high school okay you know? and then but, but i mean dude kids nowadays like they have so many private trainers well you know? that's that was my next question um, uh <laughs> because i'm like like you said like there's so many like travel ball, like, and I, I think it's a very, con- cause I see them here. Like I go, you know, I'm still, I'm still here in Oklahoma city and I go to this batting cage cause it's, it's very close to the gym. So I'll go to the gym, I'll go to the batting cage and uh, they run like, like the batting cage is like also, it's like, like they run travel ball out of there, you know? So yeah. like I'll go during the week and it's off the hook and then I'll go on the weekend and there's nobody there cause they're all at tournaments. Right. Yeah. So obviously it's a big business. I get it. But like, I feel like there's a certain age with like, I mean, how do you even feel about that whole thing? Like, is there a certain age that you're like, okay, maybe just let your kid play little league. And then when they get to this, maybe then, you know, 
Because yeah. I mean, because some of these places, it's just like it's just like acting schools. Like I used to go to certain acting schools, and there would be some acting schools where you know you're paying three hundred dollars a month, and the fucking acting teacher is blowing smoke up your ass because you're gonna keep giving her three hundred bucks. And then there's acting school that I went to where the guy's like, "You fucking suck," you know, you need to go get your shit together. And I'm like, "Fuck," <laughs> but it made me work harder, you know. <laughs> so I was like, "I'll appreciate that. Don't blow smoke up my ass, fucking. I want you to push me, but like." what like what is there like a certain age for that or like do you think it's good for these kids or like it's it's a it's a fine line you know and like i said i had a son who went through it mm -hmm. and even though i work in the business like you never know you don't know what it's like till you have a son going through it right um you almost have to do travel ball Nowadays, because if not, you're left behind. Nobody plays Little League. Right. You know, so you have to do travel ball nowadays. Um, there's some good travel ball teams and there's some really bad travel ball teams, you know. But I think as a, as a young kid, if you connect yourself with the right people and you do the right work, um, you know, and, and or you investigate and make sure that your son is with the right organization, then I think that it's very helpful. I know that my son, my son played primarily his entire travel ball career with one organization. Okay. You know, he played with CBA, John Pano and Joe Spears who run CBA. They're phenomenal men. They, they, the culture that they build, you know, that they built within CBA is an incredible uh, place to play at. You know, they, I mean, they would jump my son's shit, you know, but they would put their arms around him and tell him like, you know, hey, I tell you this because I really care. I think that you could be a good player, or whatever it is, you know, they don't right. uh, just chew guys out and take your money, right. you know, they're, they really are building like something that's going to benefit these young men moving into the next phase of their career. So, but on the flip side, you know, it's such a beast, travel ball, such a beast. And I've seen this so much. I mean, I've been a part of it so much to where, you know, I've represented guys that have been first rounders or signed for 2.5 million or 1.8 million as 18 year old kids. And they've never been dealt a plate of adversity because everybody kisses their ass. Right. And then they get in a pro ball where, you know, nobody really cares who you are uh, in a sense. And these guys, you know, they never make it out of high A, uh, because they've dealt with adversity early on and they've never dealt with it before in their amateur career, you know? So I kind of feel at times that it gives false hope and false expectations because there's so much pressure to perform at the travel ball youth level opposed to just when you and I were playing little league, like, bro, we were just having fun. Right. You know, like we were just trying to be on the field so that we can stay out of our dad's way so that we wouldn't get our ass beat at nighttime. Or so we wouldn't get fucking caught up in all this shit in the neighborhood that was going it, on. You it, know. Exactly. So, you know? Like, so it's, it's, it's a very fine line, man, but okay. you know, there's a lot of good with it and there's a, a lot of crappy parts of it. Got it. Uh, okay. Trade deadline is coming up, Mikey. Okay. Trade deadline is coming up. Uh, 
what can you tell me that who might be wearing Dodger blue in a week? I know you, you don't, you don't, you're not like directly connected to this, but like, I know you, you have some, some sources. If I had to guess, if I had to throw something out there, mm -hmm. I would say that Max Scherzer would probably be wearing a Dodger uniform in a, I think, in a couple of days. I think that's a very good possibility now. And I, and I don't know if they're going to extend him if they get him, because that would be interesting because we got a couple big contracts that we got two guys like Kershaw and Seager that are going to be free agents and yeah. they're not going to be cheap. So you got Bellinger probably like a year or yeah. so. Away. So you, you have some big contracts yeah. No, but I mean, you got to win now, at, man. The windows, the, the, the pressure is to win now. And yeah, the, the Padres have put a lot of pressure on the Dodgers to win now. I'm not worried about the Padres, Mike. Sorry. Hey, I'm glad you're recording this because you better. Yeah. I mean, I, I give them props. Like they're a good team. I'm not, but like, I'm just not worried. I'm, I'm more worried about somehow the giants who just fucking keep winning, which it doesn't make any sense to me on paper, but they're just all overachieving is basically what that is. Yeah. Like, but, I mean, know, the second half of the season is the telling part of the season. Well, you know, I know, people, people uh, that are on a really high, high. I mean, that's why there's averages and that's why there's statistics and analytics, because typically everything at the end of the year averages out to what you were the year before, the year before, the year before. Yeah. You're going to get one dark horse. It has a crazy year here or there, but you basically are who you are as a baseball right. player. You always say, like, look at the back of their baseball card, right? You yeah. know, obviously guys get hurt or whatever. Um, okay. Um, who's a player? It doesn't have to be one of your guys, but like that we don't know about that, like in a year or so. Like, I mean, I already know who Jazz is. I, you know, he's all over the place. But, like, who's somebody else maybe that we're, like, not a household name, but in a couple of years, he's going to be, like, the next Vlad Jr. or something. Uh, there's a kid with the St. Louis Cardinals. He's in high A. He's 19 years old. Uh -huh. And his name is Mason Wynn. Mason Wynn? Mason Wynn, yeah. He's a shortstop. Okay. And th this kid is just a freak athlete, man like a freak athlete was a shortstop a pitcher in high school like up to 98 in high school oh shit uh the the kid is a freak athlete Wait. and then one 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 other guy that i would say um and i represent this kid uh he's 18 years old no pressure with with the <laughs> miami marlins he's a shortstop and his name is ian lewis he's a switch hitting shortstop okay and this kid is is a freak, man, like a freak, freak athlete, like like real power from both sides, right-handed and left-handed. The kid has a bazooka. He can run. Uh, he can defend and stay at short. Um, he's definitely like a, a kid. He's low under the radar. He's a Bahamian player as well, like Jazz. This is a first year that he's played stateside, so um, – He's really like not too many people know about him, but the Marlins absolutely love this kid. And, and the kid is just a special player. Dude, what's a up? With, when did the Bahamas become a fucking hotspot? Dude, I'm telling you, man, 
you know, I go to the Bahamas every December, December and January. I go for the past couple of years. Uh, I've been going out there jazz and, and his buddies. They put on this huge event in the Bahamas. They put on this home run derby. It's actually the coolest thing you'll ever see in baseball. So they, they, they set up this like catwalk uh, and they have a home run derby and all of the home runs go into the ocean. Of course. So you're hitting <laughs> home runs into the ocean and they have like this barricade out like at 300 yards or I mean 300 feet um, to where, you know, if you hit it over, it's a home run. And I want to say that Bo Bouchette has won it the last two years in a row. Okay. Um, so it's really cool. A ton of big leaguers. I mean, a lot, a lot of big leaguers go to it. You know, they, it's like a four day event in the Bahamas, the whole like city shuts down and all the kids come out. It's so dope. But um, I'm telling you in, in the next like four or five years, there's going to be a bunch of Bahamian players that are in the big leagues. Like, look, these kids are just nasty raw. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, they're athletes. Like these dudes run, they yeah. could hit, they could throw. I mean, and then you look at the resources that they have out there. It's bad. Like, dude, their fields are bad. They don't have like real complexes to work out at and, and lift. Like getting baseballs is tough. And now the, the jazz is kind of like the, the pioneer of the group, you know, like he's, he's a guy, you know, presently he, he has a presence you know, on social media, he has a really big following and everybody loves Jazz Chisholm. And the yeah. kid, by the way, is a pretty good baseball player. Yeah, yeah, he's fine. Um, you know, and you'll see more resources uh, injected into the Bahamas in the next couple of years through Major League Baseball and the Players Alliance and stuff like that. Watch these kids in okay. three or four years. I, I've, told, I've told people before, I did a couple interviews down in the Bahamas uh, like a year ago. And I told them, I said, if I was to bring these kids to the U S and they sign it 16 years old right there because they're international picks, uh, in, in the States, you have to be, you know, a high school senior. Uh, so you got to be minimum eight or not minimum, but you're either 18 or like 17 ish, right. but these kids sign as 16 year olds. If I was to bring over these 16 year old kids, they would be first rounders in our draft at 16 years old. That's how good their tools are. Wow. Yeah. You know, they're just a big ball of wax and they've never really had, you know, the, the coaching or training that the kids here in the U S have. Right. You know, but I mean, these, these dudes are crazy good, man. So this is going to be like the next Dominican basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you got people going in there now, uh, a guy by the name of Jerron Sands, he runs uh, the IE Academy um, in in the Bahamas. That's where Jazz played. That's where uh, Ian played. He had a couple guys sign this year in July. They were 16 years old. And I mean, dude, these guys are getting like a million, a million and a half dollars. That's a lot of money in the international market. Yeah. You know? So obviously Team C that there's a lot of upside there, but they have to come to the States for a year or two. And they really got to be taught how to play baseball before they get to go play on a team. And hey, that's crazy. It's crazy. Raw, raw talent. 
Super raw, yeah. Um, okay, one more thing. Who wins the World Series? Dude, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say this and and I had I had a conversation with one of my clients today. And I told you can ask him, you can fact check this. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I think the New York Mets are gonna win the World Series this year. Okay. I, I mean, think New York Mets are, and I'm not being biased because of Dom. Of course, of course. I mean, Mikey, I'm wearing, I'm actually wearing a Mets hat right now because yeah. it matches my sweats. But, um, but, but look at, I look at things from a baseball perspective. Yeah, I get it. Okay, they've been hammered with injuries this year. They're still winning, and I've been around, like you know, seeing the team and, dude, their chemistry isn't fake, bro. Okay. Like Strowman, the Taiwan Walker, Dom, Pete Alonzo, like these guys genuinely, JD Davis, like they genuinely now love they, each other. Are they getting Syndergaard back this season at some point? I don't know. I heard that maybe he may come back later in the season. That's to, what I thought, but to yeah, be I mean, to be in the bullpen, but yeah. and you know in baseball, like I mean, even in basketball, it doesn't work a lot when you build a dream team. Right. Because you can't, you can't beat chemistry. Yep. And the Mets, to me, the Mets just have the it factor. Like, they're down six runs in the seventh or eighth inning. And you can see in the dugout, they're like, yo, we're going to win this game still. And then they win the game. Yeah. You know, and they've been hammered. Their pitching staff has been crushed. You know, Lindor went down for a little bit and these guys are still like the guys on the bench are still playing well and winning dude you can't it's tough to beat that the the, the tampa rays you know it's 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 them you know and yeah. i know the, the dodgers beat them last year but still it's it's really hard in this game it's really hard to to beat chemistry when it comes down to you know a world series and stuff i'm worried about the dodgers only because of injuries, but that's what happens in a, in a long season, you know, like just fucking guys get hurt, man, but it keeps happening, but they're still got the second best record. I know this is not my baseball podcast, but I think like if the Dodgers can get healthy, it'll be interesting. It might be Dodgers Mets though. in, in the NLCS, that'd be fun. Hey, but I'm also, dude, I'm also, I'm also, Afraid, not afraid, but the Padres, the same thing, bro. That chemistry is, dude, I went to a pod, I've been to three Padre games this year. Uh-huh. I haven't been to a Padre game in 10 years. Yeah, people in San Diego haven't either, Mikey. And <laughs> I went to three Padre games on a Friday night. And this is the most electric stadium I've been to in a long time, dude. Mike, stop. stop. Like, um, I'm not playing, man. Um, you're a baseball fan. Of course, yeah. I'm telling you, you have to go see it. I'm going to go down there when I get back. go see it, man. Okay. This, this, this team, you know, Tatis, I mean, dude, that guy's oh, – They're great. They're great. I mean, they're, they're a good team. I just – I don't know. There's something about it that, like, I just – I don't – I see them probably – I hope that the Dodgers finish in first – 
because I don't want a one-game playoff because that's what it would be, Dodgers-Padres for a one-game playoff. I don't like that. I would no, rather no. be guaranteed a series because exactly. I think that in a one-game playoff, fucking anything could happen. But yeah. I just like – Dodgers have been there. They're, they were deep, but they're getting guys back. I just, you know. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting the final uh, two months here, man. I'm fired up for it, dude. I'm excited, man. Well, dude, thank you for your time, man. We've been a lot. I will see you in person, hopefully very soon. Once they say that we don't fucking have to wear masks again inside in LA, because that's I'm, I'm over it. I'm uh, man. I mean, I'm not, an, rules, so, I'm not an anti. I'm not an anti-masker. I, yeah. I'll wear masks. I, I'm vaccinated. It's all that, but like, ha, I mean, you've been out to other states during this whole thing, like. When you go from one state and then you go back to LA or something, you're like, wait, what's going on? Like, why is it so different here? I don't understand. Like, like dude, I, I went to Phoenix or I went to Scottsdale, like in, God, I don't even like maybe October-ish of last year. I went to Scottsdale and I'm oh, like, yeah, it's over. Oh, these people like never heard of coronavirus. Yeah, like it's over. The restaurants are packed. Nobody's wearing a mask. Yeah. Like malls are all open. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Texas, you know? and, like Texas, Oklahoma, like everywhere. And just like, yeah, it's over. Like, and it's been over for like a long time. And then I go back home and people are wearing masks on a fucking hike. I'm like, okay, guys, listen. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think listen. you're pretty safe there. <laughs> yeah. Like I, you're exactly like, you're fine, dude. Like yeah. just stop. So anyway, man, but I, thank Good. you. I'm, I'm always super proud of you, dude. I can't tell you enough of all the, just how I know how far you've come and I know you're going to keep on climbing and it's fucking just cool to see. Um, I said, you have, I, I said it on the intro before I brought you on, but like, you have like one of the coolest jobs. Like I have one of the coolest jobs. You have one of the yep. coolest jobs. Like it's just fucking, it's awesome. We paid our well, dues. And back to you too, man. Proud of you. Love you. I love, I love your grind and you motivate me. You motivate me to get after it a lot, man. To so, get after, to, to get after fitness to get after fitness, to get after it just every day, Thanks. you know, positive mentality, like keep your mind right. You know, I watch a lot of your stuff, man. And, and that stuff fires me up. And, you know, I, I love people don't know. We could have cashed this in a long time ago, dude, you yeah. know, but no, nah, nah, man, we keep grinding. We keep fighting, dude. So yeah, I tell, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I could have, I could have easily taken any job, like whatever made like quote unquote good money but just been miserable like the rest of my life and i'm like nope i'm gonna do what i want to do and i don't care how long it takes that's what i want to do and that's, that's what it is man so keep doing it love you buddy thank you for love you man thank we'll you so you much all right, all right thanks buddy later bye